Hello and welcome to A Bit Above Podcast. I'm Audra. And I'm Hadassah. And we are two average women living oceans apart. Our show displays a reachable lifestyle where we work to be better versions of ourselves in our day-to-day life. We know that the constant strive for perfection can lead to anxieties and disappointment, so we make changes that enhance our lives without giving up the things we love. Join us each week as we chat about motherhood, positivity, feel-good stories, relationships, and everything in between. Audra and I are here just real quick to, oh my God, why is there a cat all of a sudden meowing really loudly? I heard that. Tears. Okay. Let's do this quickly then. (laughs) Is that my baby? No. Okay, cool. That's a cat. Um, So we are just doing a little um, clarification because we just got off recording with Josh. It was such an amazing conversation and we want to keep all the content in. Sometimes we have to cut things down because Audra and I talk for forever. But I think we want to split this into two episodes. So first you'll hear the first beginning part where we talk about more about the things that we're into, our passions, and we may have gotten uh, carried away on baseball, (laughs) but don't worry. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) But then we are going to hear a, a really awesome conversation about codependency within a relationship. It was just an awesome episode. So we are making it into two and we are putting both episodes out today. So there will not be an episode on Friday. Here you go. It's early. It's here. My parents are coming in in the morning. They are getting on a flight now to go come to Israel to see me. So and to meet my daughter for the first time. So we're just going to let Friday go away. But we are still here with the content. So what do you say, Audra? Good idea? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So you will see a part one and part two when you see this episode. So be sure to listen to the second episode as well to get the full conversation. All right, here we go. Here is part one of our conversation with Josh. This week we have for our introduction, we have Josh with us. Normally we'll like talk before and like discuss what the interview is going to be about, but he's here. So why not do it all together? How's it going, Josh? Going well. Thank you for asking. Is it still baseball season? Like how are the Cubs going? (laughs) Doing? Uh, It is still baseball season. I don't follow uh, Major League Baseball as closely anymore. My son does. There is a Cubs team that I follow real closely, and that is my son's Cubs team that he plays on. So I can tell you how they're doing. How are they doing? (laughs) Are they baby Cubs? Yeah, basically, 11-year-olds. They're like annoying little baby Cubs right now, but we're having a great time. And, of course, uh, you know, I still play amateur ball, and we, we just started our season. So that's enough to keep my mind busy. I don't have a lot of time to sit down and watch a lot of major league baseball right now so yeah i get it like if you watch it you want to be all in like you want to watch the plays like to i don't know that's how i feel about baseball i know it might shock you that i actually used to like baseball for like a few months i used to watch like i watched the whole season back from the beginning to the end after the world series was over (laughs) right why i got really into it but then i got i started working and i was like okay i don't really have time so (laughs) doesn't baseball have like a gabillion games a season. Yep. 160 something maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, does baseball season ever actually end? I have no idea. I don't watch it. This is before it I does. found Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big watcher of things, you know? I mean, I do have certain television shows and things like that. But in terms of sports, like it's more torturous for me than anything. And not because it's slow or anything. I, I just want to be involved. Like, oh, I, okay. I don't want to watch people having fun. I want to go have fun, you know, so. 
have you ever had ran into like a therapist patient whatever you call them client what do you call them we call them clients some some people will call them patients <laughs> have you ever ran across a patient with a scratch off ticket addiction <laughs> Is that uh, are we uh, confessing things right now? Not, Is that... Do you know anything about it? Just hypothetically wondering. <laughs> the listeners of your podcast can't see Audra pointing at you, and she's doing it like you would do, like behind someone's back, like you're you're pointing at them. But you can clearly see Audra's pointing. <laughs> If this is a Zoom call, so it's not like we can't see each other, right? Does it make sense that I think about it when I'm not there? <laughs> I'm I'm concerned. She's going to need therapy. <laughs> so that would fall under the category of gambling addiction. I do not do that. People want to talk about that. We, we can at some point, or if you guys want to talk about it, your listeners want to hear about it. <laughs> we might need to. <laughs> it's one of the scariest, in my mind, to me personally, is the scariest addiction out of all of them so gambling yeah really because with all other addictions you can recover from and in pretty much get your life on track and and go on to live uh, live a good life and get yourself out of it not that you can't do that with gambling addiction but because it involves money uh, gambling addicts can get themselves in a hole so deep that they'll never get out of it financially they'll never recover financially they can recover through relationally and with mental health but financially never recover. So, yeah. Vasa, are you, are you listening? Look, I'm not in a hole or anything. Like, I'm above yeah. ground. But, like, the, the fact that you can just literally take a, a penny or if you're here, you can take a shekel or something and scratch off possibly thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, literally. It could be anything. And worse comes to worse, you just lost a little bit of money. So there's certain times where... I won like a, a solid amount where I'm like, oh, this is change. But most of the time I don't. But yet I still think about it all the time. Today I scratched like seven tickets. <laughs> For some reason, I don't think uh, Hadassah listened to our last episode. Audio. No, no, she did not. <laughs> I did listen to it and edited it. Okay. Well, it did not sink in. And the first few times, like we won a lot of money. So now I feel I have this like feeling that like it could just be one scratch away from like and when I mean a lot of money I mean like a few hundred dollars. But like. Hadassah, you would have better odds just going around and handing people like dollar bills and then just see how many dollar bills you get handed back <laughs> before you'll actually win on the lottery. Like it's you're you're just throwing away money. It your odds the odds are on the card. Well, I'm not throwing it away because the the company that has lottery tickets are now successful because of me. So technically I'm donating it to them. <laughs> there are a lot, a lot of winners that are grateful for you, Hadassah. <laughs> you can think of it that way. My aunt is my wife's aunt. Uh, she had just come down for a visit. This was a few years ago. And she's sitting there and all of a sudden she, I don't know if it was a text or she was on the phone. Like she gets this look on her face like, oh my gosh, you know. And and uh, we're like, what what happened? She's like, she goes, my husband just scratched off $25,000. And I was like, what are the odds, you know, of that? But then I was thinking, like, I wonder how how much money they actually made off of that, <laughs> like, over the years. Like, we're talking, like, you know, probably, like, 20 years or 30 years of marriage. No, because once the sun goes down, whatever money, it starts new. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, but don't forget here, there's 30% tax on top of the money okay. that you won. Here, too, it's so, taxes, okay. Yeah. The gambling addict gets into a mindset of just one more, 
just one more, you know, this one more, this will be the one, this will be the one, you know, and it, it, it takes them to a really dark place. Like, <laughs> that was my, so. that was what happened to me with the seven tickets today. I really just bought a few and then. I was just going to say, you probably bought like three and then you kept going, didn't you? No, I got, I spent 400 shekel. Uh, no, I spent 200 shekel, which is like 40 bucks or something. If I think, no, uh, yeah, 40 bucks or something. And I won back 125 shekels. So I was down 75. I thought, why not take the two, rebuy one? So I bought another one. And then I made back all the money that I spent that day, plus another 25. So I bought three more. (laughs) You walk away. No, you do not go back and buy three more. You walk away with your winnings. The guy said that there was a higher chance because nobody else had won today. So whatever, it's fine. Sure, he was saying whatever. He's making no money off. I don't even know why he said anything. What's wrong with people? I do know the Bobby Bone show that Hadass and I listened to faithfully. They had a question on there today. And they said, the store found the woman who lost her million dollar. It was a lotto ticket where it was worth a million dollars. And they gave it back to the woman. And they said, would you do the same? And I typed, yes. And I would love my peace of mind for doing so. But do you know how many people were on like, what lottery ticket? What scratch ticket? I don't know what you're talking about. Meaning that they were not going to return the ticket that to its rightful owner. And all I could oh. think of is a million dollars. You're getting like six fifty, six seventy five back. Is that really going to pay your happiness that you know you stole somebody else's ticket? You didn't purchase. You didn't invest into that. Would you do that, Josh? Would you? Oh man, you guys are asking personal questions that people are going to judge us over. I would probably highly encourage a finder's fee. Probably. Uh, You could get a finder's fee without saying a word because you were so kind in returning the ticket and seeking the person out and returning it. I might would would maybe uh, get some more assurances on that or plant plant a few seeds of (laughs) encouragement of like there's a finder's fee for this and kind of hold it, you know, over the edge of something before I let it go. That's very smart. That's like investing. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Holding it hostage a little bit. So so interesting, right? How crazy we go over money. There's, uh, I know it's kind of a silly example, but the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, has this overtone of poverty is. and things like that. And wait, you know, hold up, Josh. Hadassah, did you just say you knew what that was? Yes. She never knows any of these things, Josh. You no, know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about it okay. because. Now I actually understand. I don't know if I remember the whole story in completion, but we'll, it, we'll take a start. A <laughs> yeah, it's a start. We'll 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 get excited about you knowing Charlie and Chocolate Factory. But basically, the storyline is I wasn't going to go into the storyline, but, <laughs> but Hadassah kind of set it up that way now. So you know, the story is is that there he's giving away these golden tickets that you can find in chocolate bars. There's only like five or six of them, you know. And if you get the golden ticket, you get to go visit the chocolate factory. You know, I don't I can't remember exactly if they knew at that time that that he was actually going to give it away to one person. He did. They didn't, Audra? Nope. Audra's shaking nope. her head, answering all his questions. Like, are you, yeah. how well do you know this movie? Is it a movie? Nope. A little too well. It was one of my childhood favorites. Well, you're, you're talking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm talking about the remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, With Johnny so yeah. Depp? I clearly have not seen yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got Johnny Depp. I've also seen that one, but it is a different version. Anything Johnny Depp does is a different version than the original by far. 
in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version, the Johnny Depp movie, the kid, he gets one of the golden tickets, you know, and they're in poverty and they're so, I mean, they're literally dirt floor poor, you know, and both sets of grandparents are living in this you know, one room shack and, you know, sleeping and always in the bed, you know, it's kind of comical in a way. The boy wants to do what's logical or practical, which is sell the ticket. You can sell it to some rich person for a lot of money and they can get, you know, get out of poverty in some ways. And the grandfather looks at him and says something like this. I don't have it verbatim. He's like, why would you do something like that? They print money every day. There's only one of these or, you know, or a handful of these. And it just really kind of put it in perspective that that's true. You know, I mean, we do need money to operate. We need to, I don't think anybody listening to this is just going to quit desiring money. I think we, it's functional in that sense, but it's just paper, you know, and we, we go nuts over this stuff. And so it was, it's just something that really resonated with me. Listening back to your episode with, with Audra and I was thinking about how, like, I mean, unless you're intentionally thinking about it, like how much it affects relationships, but not just relationships, but like friendships. Like this is why I would never lend people and borrow and all the things like it's complicating. You know, money is such a sensitive thing for people. I already stated I'd rather go back to trading cows and chickens. So I'm all done with money. Yeah. <laughs> Arranging marriages. Yeah. <laughs> people still do that. Yep. I mean, where I come from. Oh, whatever. That's a whole that's the whole topic we won't get into. but. Not because it's a bad topic, but because I don't have all the facts. So I don't want to, you know, I, it's arranged marriage, but not like the way you would think of it. Like, obviously, there's dating and stuff involved. Didn't used to be that way, but I'm sure that's foreign to a lot of people. I, I, it's probably more common than people from the U.S. realize. I mean, yeah, I'm talking about like where my like how I grew up. So like in the U.S., but like more in Jewish communities, there's like a whole dating system, which the only reason why I don't want to go into like what hap what happens there is because I don't want people who actually go through that system and to be like, wait, that's not really what happens. Right. So I want I want to like let the people who actually experience that like share that, I guess. But yeah, it's dating. Um it, they do like kind of like a background check, not like a, a law one, but just to see if you're compatible, to see if you have the same kind of goals or want the same kind of things. And um, so it's, it takes away like those like people that clearly are in for the wrong or right reasons. But I mean, it's not foolproof, you know, it's definitely different. And some people might think like, wow, that still happens. What? I'm, I'm curious now, does this roll right into the topic of codependency? Does <laughs> well, an arranged marriage kind of set you up to be? codependent upon your partner? Well, see, I mean, we, we do have a lot of codependency conversations to discuss. We'll definitely get into that in a second. But I think like any relationship, I think the way it's set up, like once you're in that situation, like anyone can be independent, anyone can be more independent or more codependent. Like, I think it's just different per each person. You know what I mean? Like maybe they date and find that they have such like unique qualities that they really kind of can be independent while still, still together. So I don't know if that actually has a direct um, connection because I've never been through that, you know? That's a really good question too, Audra. I'm sure a lot of it would have to do with culture, you know, and how, how the culture works and what's acceptable, you know, um, what we call codependency just doesn't really work well these days. You know, back in the 40s and 50s or whatever, it might that that dynamic might have worked a lot better uh, because of just how the world worked back then. But we're very fast paced. We have uh, information at our fingertips. We're and also too, we're just evolving as people in relationships are evolving, and 
it's just not a dynamic that works really well anymore. The only relationship, like the long, real relationship that I've seen and personally witnessed is my parents. And they bring such unique qualities into the relationship and they are dependent on each other in certain ways because they both bring different things and that's what's comfortable for them. Like, I think what we'll discuss today is like, and we'll ask Josh about is like when that gets to be too much um, in either direction. Um, Because I think like, I don't know if Josh will agree with me because we still have yet to even talk about what codependency is because that will be the first question. But I think like everybody has parts of codependency and independency in their relationships either way. I don't think you get you annihilate either one, you know, but um, I guess, Josh, that would probably lead to the first thing, which is what is codependency? Because I actually have talked to some people about this recently. They didn't know what the word was. And, and so I'm thinking like, wow, I think like this is such a relatable thing. We're going to talk about specifically about codependency in a relationship because we think that we'll probably have more co- uh, conversations on, I don't know, codependency in other areas in our lives, like at different times. But what is codependency for someone who hasn't really heard that word before? And the thing I didn't do that might be helpful, and I'm sure Audra is going to love this task of actually Googling a definition. I don't even refer to people as codependent because codependency usually is a relational thing. So I'll talk about relationship, people being in codependent relationships, you know, but am I codependent? I think that there's probably some debate on whether a person can, a single person can be codependent because they're going to need to be in a relationship where the environment uh, is conducive for that type of behavior. So you guys are co-hosts, right? So you can only be host if there's already another host right if there if you were like the last man on earth and you were a codependent person that wouldn't be possible because you would have nothing to be codependent with i guess i've always been fascinated with codependency because i felt very codependent in my relationship in the beginning of my relationship and also all my exes like i felt that way but um so i i don't know did some digging but I saw in like my research, there was a lot about like codependency with like alcohol or drugs or things like that. So that's what I mean by like a thing. I don't, I'm not talking about like, you know, like, like maybe even food, like some people might have that with food. Maybe there's a better word for that too. It's more of a, of a relational dynamic. And so uh, like when there's alcohol involved, for example, like you're, the alcoholic might be addicted to the alcohol and then the partner that we would say is codependent would be addicted to the alcoholic. But at the same time, like we often will give that label to one of the two partners. But when the partner who we say is codependent starts coming out of that codependency, starts operating very differently, then all of a sudden the other person who's not codependent, apparently, their life gets wrecked, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it feels like you're almost distancing or like, what are they? they, Do they not need me anymore? What's going on? So I have a hard time believing that one person in the relationship is codependent and the other person is not. I think that it's a codependent relationship, not I'm codependent and I'm not. And so uh, there's just no way those two parties would ever be able to be together for a a minute, much less for years. So let's kind of get into what it is a little bit. The way I see it is that you lost your self and your identity in the relationship. And American culture really supports this uh, in a lot of ways. American culture is, a, in my opinion, is a, a culprit when it comes to the creation and development of codependent relationship. We have a lot of media, you know, like in, you know, in Hollywood and things like that, where you get like the Jerry Maguires of the world that says, you know, you complete me. 
you know, I'll just stick your tongue out and disgust on that. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Like, what are you saying? Like, I, first of all, most people don't want to be that for somebody else. Like, it's a lot of pressure. I want to marry, I want to get into a relationship with a someone who's already a whole person. I don't want to be the missing piece to your puzzle, you know? And uh, into we, we have expressions like, oh, is this your better half? Which is often said to men. And so for wow. men, it's like, not only am I, this, this is, a, a, I heard this from an author named Hal Runkle, who said, uh, for men, it's not only am I half a person, I don't even get to be the better of the two halves, you know? And so it, it's not real appealing when you really think about it. But, you know, uh, we have religious teachings, too, that talk about, you know, leaving your mother and father and becoming one. So we're no longer an individual. We are one. Audra and I talked a little bit about joint bank accounts in our last episode, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that doesn't work for everybody. You know, that's what I was taught to do, you know, is that you're one. What's mine is yours and yours is mine. I'm at a point now in my life where if I were doing it all over again, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with prenuptial agreements. I actually think that they can be really helpful for relationships because it helps keep your autonomy and your individuality established. So in a nutshell, the couple really becomes dependent on one another to meet certain needs. And that's also how you know people are thinking from a codependent mindset. They'll say, you need to meet my needs. I have certain needs that need to be met. Nobody can meet your needs. Like there's not a person on this planet that's equipped to meet another person's needs. Like that's our job as individuals. When two people come together, they, in a sense, birth a relationship. And that relationship has certain needs that takes the responsibility of the two people involved to make sure that they're giving the proper type of attention and, and contribution to that to keep it healthy. But me, Josh, my needs, like what, what I need, it's my, that's my responsibility. It's nobody else's. You know, I, I need to be happy. It's my responsibility to do that. And if part of my happiness involves a healthy relationship and uh, healthy friendships and a good career and hobbies and things like that, then I have to make sure that I'm nurturing all those pieces. But in codependent relationships, they make the relationship itself everything. They'll live and die on this piece. And uh, they take all their emotional eggs and put it in this one basket. And then they hand that basket to the other person and say, please don't drop it. It's got everything that is me in there. But the other person's doing the same thing. It was like, well, I, I just put all my eggs in that basket too. Like, and, and now you're like, no, it's your turn to carry it. No, it's your turn to carry it. No, and then next thing you know, there's just eggs all over the place. Meanwhile, the basket that's supposed to have the eggs that keep the friendship healthy is being neglected. The basket that is, uh, you're supposed to be investing in for your career is being neglected or other things like that are important to you, like your spiritual life or education or hobbies and other things that would, that would be part of your formula for happiness. You know, all that's being neglected because you've made it to where the only way I could be happy is if this relationship is, is if this other person in my life is happy. 